Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. Hey, it's Chase from On the Table Gaming, and I'm joined by Josh and our special guest today, Scott the Miniature Maniac, who is Hello. a... Yeah, welcome. Uh, you know, so I think you're probably well known around the interwebs as a uh, podcaster, full-time YouTuber. I mean, if you're, you're pretty well known, so we're excited to, to have you on here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm super into this game right now, and I just want to talk about it with everyone. So this is like the perfect outlet for it. <laughs> this is time to, to proselytize and talk about our favorite things. Yes. So, you know, before we jump into A Song of Ice and Fire, if I'm recalling correctly, you originally got into miniature wargaming with Lord of the Rings miniatures. And it sounds like your mom was like really supportive about fantasy in general. How do you think that like past experience with the hobby has set you up to really enjoy Simon's A Song of Ice and Fire in particular? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, first of all, cool that you like dove into the history that you knew that story. <laughs> that's awesome. We've been we're a little bit of fans, we'll say. So. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. I like it. Um, so yeah, I had a I guess a, a brief relationship with the uh, the Middle Earth battle game, and then I quickly went into Armor Fantasy, which is a, a rank and flank game, and that went away. And was replaced by AOS, and then this game came back. By the way, what do you call it? Because ASOIAF is impossible to say. All right, yeah, we usually it's, <laughs> that's the acronym we use when we write it out, but we just call it song. Want to play yeah. song? Usually song. Yeah. Okay. But I feel okay. we don't type it that way, so I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so song came along, and it's rank and flank, and it it kind of it, it made me realize how much I missed that format, and how much I loved the movement phase, and how strategic it was, and how chess like it felt. And then it was even it was reinforced by even more elements in the game that made it feel like chess. But yeah, so the the early adoption of Warhammer Fantasy made me love that format and then this game came with that format and i was just like i'm in yeah i, I had a similar sort of uh, vibe where i came from warhammer fantasy and then i used to play x-wing and then this came along and i just loved the movement being sort of the most important part of the game is just making sure you get in that right position mm -hmm. so i noticed because i've been doing some research as well digging deep <laughs> on the uh in the youtube oh, channel here um back in i think it was 2019 that you did a Night's Watch, uh, Jon Snow, all black paint job. Yes. But so then I noticed there's a gap of time between that and then you being really into the game now. So did Night's Watch not really grab your attention? Yeah, let's get into the history of that. Um, <laughs> so I have like a, the series of videos on my channel that isn't a real series, but it is thematically. And then I was trying to paint models that lined up with significant uh social media events or events that have large social media temples they're called temple events mm -hmm. and the one that i was lining up with was the release of season eight of game of game of thrones right yeah terrible season to try to you know line up with but yeah so i paint john snow i went out and bought the star sex i wanted to paint the character that i thought was one of the more popular ones um mm -hmm. known by people who aren't miniature painters and then i wanted to paint it for that um, but be even before that, I was aware of the game because I went to, I think it was the 2019 uh, Adepticon, and I played a demo of it. Um, I think that's, that's on like March or April time frame. So I, I played it a little bit. I knew it existed. That's how I knew the miniatures were there, and I painted it for, for that event. And did, it, did it grab you back then? Like, what was the sudden resurgence of interest in this game? Yeah, so... Um, Generally speaking, 
there are a couple of sins when it comes to miniature wargaming that <laughs> turn me off from a game immediately. Um, one of them is the game creator not owning the IP for which right. the game originates all its designs. Because in my head, I'm just like, okay, well, they're going to run out of content at some point. This game has no legs, um, which is which is BS. Um, and then two, um, I'm a big like story and lore person. I create like small background stories for the armies that inspire the paint schemes. And um, I wasn't someone who had read the books or watched the shows much. So I was like, okay, it's not, it's not a universe that I'm super invested in. Mm. Um, so that, so I kind of just turned it off immediately. The game was totally fine. It was, it was a fun demo. Um, but now in 2021, I got a roommate um, who is an old high school friend. Uh, he, he lives with me for like the last uh, couple months. And he loves the, uh, the lore of that game. And I, I brought up that it existed. And he was, he was so enthusiastic about playing it. And I was like, let's give it a try. <laughs> so we pick out the two armies that we both like. We play a game and we're like, this is the coolest game ever. <laughs> You're like, you fool. What are we been doing all this time? Yeah. <laughs> so many years wasted. Um, but yeah, so we, we played it and immediately loved it. Like in the first couple of days, I played more games of a miniature war game that I had played in like literally two years. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it hooked us immediately. Yeah, I think that you probably are experiencing all the things that we've experienced getting into this game and getting excited about it. Uh, it does a lot of things, right? And one of the things is just that, you know, well, everybody watching probably is aware of the game, uh, but uh, you know, it, it really respects your time too. You can get in a bunch of games. Uh, it's not like, you know, I remember as a, a high schooler having to set her outside like a whole Saturday to, to play games and it, it just took forever. And now I can crank out multiple games or if I can only get one in just just squeeze one out and that, that, you know, makes it a lot more accessible. And I feel like maybe it's the age range I'm in, or maybe it's just the quality of game. Um, but I think, you know, that in itself is a, is a huge selling point for me. Um, yeah. I think the, the miniatures coming assembled too is helpful to just get started, right? When you open the box and it's already ready to go, you can get a game in within the first, you know, half hour after you read the rule book. I think that's also that kind of Christmas morning test. We can just crack uh -huh. open and play. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, actually on a side note for that, Scott. So, uh, you know, you do, a lot of stuff with painting, right? That's kind of your uh, your forte. Um, when you have, you know, single sculpt or like pre-assembled miniatures, do you actually approach those differently than a multi-part kit or something? Uh, like, does that ch change the fundamental way in which you approach painting the miniatures? No, I wouldn't say it does. And actually, you know what? It kind of forces painters to have good habits. And what I mean by that is I'll, I'll paint with beginners all the time. And I'll paint, we'll paint multi-part kits. And the question they always ask is, do people ever paint these in pieces? Mm -hmm. It's a very logical question. It makes sense. You can't reach all the parts of the model. It makes total sense. But in, in, in all honesty, I totally believe that painting models in sub-assemblies is a, is a waste of time for mm -hmm. wargaming. So mm -hmm. maybe you, if you've got a commander, you want to keep his head off so you can paint it easier. That's fine. But you are often, if you're painting in that way, painting so many parts of the model that are never seen, and it's a total waste of time. And painting armies is so complicated. It's so many minis that when you put that strain on yourself, you just like, you make it that much harder to finish painting your miniatures. So painting Simon minis that come pre-assembled, you don't have the opportunity to do sub-assemblies. So I, th I think it's a good thing ultimately. Right. Do, do you ever, um, I was curious about like, because there's like, uh, you know, generally speaking, like three different casts of models within a box, right? And, and typically a banner as well. Is it tough for you as far as like getting motivation to paint like 12 dudes in the, like in a big block like that? I, or, or do you generally like pepper in like a, a character here or there to keep things interesting? 
So um, I'll, I'll answer this two ways. What I have actually been doing in the hobby and then what I, uh, what I like to think that I might do. Um, <laughs> so what I've actually done is I've, I've painted one Iron Maker. I've painted uh, three Reavers and I painted a bunch of characters. Um, but what I would like to think that I would be able to do is paint a unit, paint two characters, paint a unit, paint a character, stuff like that. Um, 12 models is actually super reasonable for a unit. And I don't, I don't really mind that they're like, um, there's like a couple that are the same sculpt. Like, we, you know, I painted fantasy models. Like every single dude in that unit was the same sculpt. So yeah. I don't really, I don't really mind that. Yeah. What are your thoughts on maybe uh, using the trays in a Song of Ice and Fire for like unique basing opportunities? Have you messed around with that at all? I love that idea. Um, it reminds me a little bit of, I, I think, a game called Kings of War. Yep. And they have, they have a concept called multi-basting, I believe. Is that right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you have huge bases that could be essentially dioramas. But yes, I love that. And I have a... I have plans for my my Greyjoy army um, that has like all kinds of like you know dock uh, aesthetics, beach aesthetics, some water, some seashells, which I've definitely seen in other places on the internet, and so I'm very excited to give that a shot. Sweet. And so you know, if people haven't picked up on it. You're you're running. You went with Greyjoys. Yes. Right? Why? Why Greyjoys? <laughs> what spoke to spoke to you about them? So everyone that I've told that to uh, has like said something to the effect of congratulations you picked the worst like house uh, in all of westeros oh, I, i'm just like it's this is like it's got like a vampire counts connection in my head and i'm like maybe scott yes. likes vampires like is this what's going on like i don't 100 is that it so, really <laughs> i mean so okay initially it was just purely aesthetic i, I looked at the models um I, I i saw the artwork for iron makers and i was almost sold immediately <laughs> i was like these guys are so cool looking <laughs> And then I saw Victarion, and then I saw uh, Reavers are awesome. So it was just really the models were super cool. Um, and then I've actually watched the first season of Game of Thrones. I've, I've recently started watching the second season. And I think that's when kind of more Greyjoy characters start showing mm -hmm. up. And they are my kind of like anti-hero, like dick, like personality. <laughs> like just don't care about anyone, right? And so... The lore is starting to line up now with uh, the, the kind of villain that I like um, with also the kind of art that I like. So yeah, it was, it was initially art, but now it's, it's kind of becoming a, a little bit of a lore thing too. Fantastic. It's felt like the Simon sculpts have kind of gotten better and better as the game has progressed. I mean, we've been playing since the Kickstarter and like we had the Stark Bowman as like a classic, you know, design that hasn't aged super well, but now they're coming out a lot, a lot more interesting. And I thought Greyjoys were some of the best ones with like the, you know, the Kraken uh, standard bear and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Yeah, so cool. So if you're going through the show for the first time, um, mm. you know some of the characters in the game. Yeah. So people like Euron Greyjoy, as a heads up, he's going to be very different in the show than he is in the book. So you'll <laughs> okay, may hear okay. some comments about that, but just as a heads up for later okay, on. Okay. We'll, no spoilers. We'll keep it All we'll right. keep it. We'll keep it <laughs> okay. um, do you have a particular commander you like to run or that you've been uh, really eyeing? So I have tried almost all of them other than Eric. Um, and... I, mean, I like them all for different reasons. Um, I like um, I like Victorian because he's so aggressive. I like yeah. Asha because I feel like all of her tactics cards are super useful, yeah. um, especially useful against Lannisters. Um, although it almost felt like playing against Lannister with Asha was like wasn't even wasn't even that good because like I'm still making so checks many. on like like eights and nines. And, <laughs> but yeah, anyways, we're getting yeah. into strategy not not yet. Um, <laughs> I love uh, Balon. Um, I love the Price of Failure. That card on like some archers with finger dance is just absolutely yes. brutal. Um, 
And then I love the idea of Euron, but he's a little challenging to use, but I, I want to use him more. Right. This is kind of like a finesse character, right? You kind of work your way up to. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, so you, you've got a local scene that you're now playing in. Also, you've got your roommate here. What's your roommate? Is he uh, running a particular faction? Like, what are you mostly facing up against these days? Yeah. So I've played, I think, 12 or 13 games of Song of Ice and Fire, and 11 of those games have been against his army, which is Targaryen. Oh, um, which isn't the greatest oh, oh, army so, to play for Greyjoy. Oh, oh, so you, were, you went through the trial of fire here. Oh, oh, my, oh my gosh, yeah. Not, <laughs> not, not many ranks in that army to get pillaged from. Um, but yeah, no, so I played a lot of Targaryen, and I played Mother of Dragons uh, a fair share of times. Well, um, it's good practice, still It's good practice. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And so you you uh, mentioned recently you've got a group that's playing on, like, on Mondays, like a local scene that's building up, and you've got some games in against Lannisters there as well. Um, how's that community looking where you're at? Is it is it kind of a slow building thing? Has it been there for a while? Um, what's going on with that? Yeah, so I think you interviewed Jim Ludwig, right? Yeah. The, the collaborator. So he is, he is in Minneapolis, and so he, he showed up um, to that event. And I would say it, it's small. We had, uh, we had four or five people. Um, but if I can like advertise it a little bit, maybe more will show up and it'll get bigger and bigger. But right now it, it is pretty small. Fantastic. Well, I mean, and we're coming back from COVID. It's been a weird period of time just in general, I think, for wargaming. So no time for things to regrow. Yeah. Um, we got the card packs hitting soon. And so it's, it's a good time for Song of Ice and Fire for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, too, I noticed in your video you got uh, you got a wound uh, oh, oh, what, what happened there dude that is a story okay i yeah i want to tell this full story because it's hilarious <laughs> okay so all right it's like 11 p.m and me and my my friend are in the basement my wife goes to bed like at 10 generally and on the weekends i stay up a little bit later and we want to play but it's kind of complicated to play in my in my house because of the way i have my table set up and stuff mm-hmm. and so we wanted to go to uh the game store, which was closed, but we know the manager. So we texted him on a whim to say, Hey, we let us in. And he was still there uh, amazingly. And he was like, yeah, sure. Come on. And so we had to figure out a way to get out of the house without alarming my wife because the dogs were sleeping in her room. We didn't want to open the door and have them bark and stuff like that. So we went out the basement door, right? Okay. Played our game, came back on the way back. Um, I have a basement where you can like exit. There's like a window and everything. Um, so there's a hill. And I bet you already see where this is going. Um, I fell on the hill because the grass was wet. And I fell on my figure case. And it, it's like hard plastic. <laughs> and it caused that gash. And the worst part was I didn't even fall because the grass was wet. I literally slipped on dog poop. So it was like... <laughs> <laughs> And this gets oh. even worse, right? I had a bag of all of my cardboard tokens. The bag oh. broke and they spilled all, all over the wet oh. grass. Oh, no. It was terrible. It was terrible. But it was worth it. We got a game in. So well, that's God. dedication. I think that's like some next <laughs> level. Yeah. Nice yeah. Song of Ice and Fire dedication. Yes, absolutely. That's like a nerd badge of honor. You got wounded yes. carrying your miniatures back into the house late at night. Yes. I do have to say, you could have told that story anyway. You'd be like, I was in the parking lot, there's a guy in a yeah. knife, and I attacked him, and I protected the great joys. But all right. Yeah. Next time I tell a story, I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, another thing is like, you've been doing uh, as a, I guess I call myself a content creator, but we, you know, making videos on YouTube. We've been doing the podcast for a while. Um, I'm always intrigued about that side of things as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, 
I, I know, Josh, can you remember like the first Miniac video that you came across? Like I do. I remember exactly. Yes. Because when I, when the Kickstarter first came out, I was buying, like I went crazy and bought the, you know, the whole thing. And I hadn't painted a miniature since like a high elf. And like, you know, when I was a kid. So I was like, I got to figure out how to paint something. And I started watching a couple of painting tutorials. And a lot of them are like extremely, extremely dry, uh, you know, very helpful, but not necessarily very interesting. But then I found your like first, I don't know, seven, eight videos where it kind of goes step by step through model preparation, base mm -hmm. coating, all that stuff. Yeah. And it was just the, like those fundamental lessons, which is like stuff I probably should have learned, but didn't at the time because I was, you know, a kid just slap paint directly on the plastic. Uh, and it was super helpful. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's the first time I, I became aware of S dub. I think it was the original. Yeah, dude. Holy cow. Yeah. No, those are my first videos. The first like, yeah. 10 ish videos are all kind of like fundamental skills. I think they hold up. I mean, I think they were, they're still, I actually went back and watched them, uh, Thank before you. this and I thought they were really good. Thank you. Mine. I remember was, uh, there was a wet palette when you did. And uh, <laughs> it was interesting. And I stuck around, though, but it, it was an impression for sure. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. And, That's uh, the one to watch first, yeah. Yeah, it was the first introduction. But uh, I was like, okay, all right. Um, but, you know, so when it comes to not only miniatures, like in painting them and keeping up motivation, but also videos, like um, how do you maintain that motivation to create, uh, you know, to be such a creative person and have the output of miniatures and you know, video content, audio content, how, how, any tips or, or uh, insight into that? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing is just to be honest and say that that motivation waxes and wanes. And like, there are definitely weeks where I, I just can't do it. Um, but what helps um, are having people depend on you. So like in this case, you have a podcast partner. So like maybe there's a certain week where you're not feeling it. But I know for me, like the, the the knowledge that like John is coming over to my house tomorrow is like enough for me to be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, prep the document for the podcast, get all that done because someone is relying on me. I, I don't want to let someone down. So that helps. Um, having a schedule helps and having that schedule be public is really helpful. Mm -hmm. So like uh, if my subscribers know that I am intentional about putting videos out on Friday and I don't put a video out on a Friday, I feel like I'm, I'm letting them down a little bit. And so having a little bit of pressure there helps to, to maintain that as well. But probably the best thing, the biggest lesson that I learned is uh, to always make videos about things that you care about, which sounds so stupid. Um, <laughs> but like there was a time when I was making so many videos from from sponsorships, painting models from sponsorships. And the models were totally, totally adequate, very high quality models. But I wasn't into it. I wasn't into mm. the subject matter. I wasn't into the model for whatever reason. And I did that for like half a year, for a year. And mm -hmm. I was like, man, this, this, this sucks. And so at that point, I said, I have to stop doing this. And I started to make a different kind of content. So yeah, it's just kind of like, I think those, th that combination of things helped me. I think you're speaking directly to Chase's soul right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, I mean, I, I'm really big about, well, you know, I'm doing this for fun. I'm not a full-time yeah. YouTuber. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just get really excited about things and that's why I want to make videos. And so yeah. I've been on the Song of Ice and Fire hype train for a yeah. wee bit now since the Kickstarter. <laughs> Is that, was that like 2018? <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but, um, um, yeah, but I think that, that makes sense. A lot of things you were saying there, uh, really does resonate. Um, yeah, I'm trying to convince uh, Chase to change into a games workshop slash Wizards of the Coast full-time content and, producer and, I, and some of those things are exciting but it's uh, some things i'm not really super into it's it's hard yeah. you know it's yeah uh, but you know i feel like there's something both cathartic about creating 
And, you know, what I see with your stuff too, is I, I'm a really big fan of the level of content, like the quality, um, mm -hmm. the way you slice in your B-roll, the humor, um, like it's a complete package. And I just like always wonder, it's like, yeah, um, like a couple of weeks ago, I, I was, I wanted to put something out every week and I just missed it. Like, I was like, oh, I can't. And I was like, I can just put this thing up I've got, but I, I kind of don't like it. So I'm not going to yes. put it up. And I'm like, you know, is that a struggle that you go through too? Because it, it, from the outside, um, like your stuff is just like such top level. Um, but I know yeah. there must be some internal thing, but, but it, it doesn't show on the outside. So well, that's good. Um, <laughs> so when I'm, whenever I'm making weekly content, I always, uh, I'm always cutting corners. Um, so the last video I made was about recess shading. Yeah. Um, and I talk about like the magic of recess shading and I truly believe it is magical. And I felt like in the model that I painted, it didn't show exactly how magical it could be. And I, I repainted that model two times. And if I was not doing weekly content, I would have scrapped that model and went and found a different one and repainted it to really show off what I was trying to illustrate. But so I, I kind of half showed it in my head and then just kind of went on. Um, also, my delivery in that video, how I spoke my lines was a little bit robotic because I was reading off of a teleprompter for the first time. And that's kind of a skill that you have to learn. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you're making weekly content, you kind of just take those lessons in stride and say, okay, I'll get better and better. But um, before this, before moving back into weekly content, I was making videos and, and putting them out whenever they were done. And in that situation, I would have recorded the, the, the talking head multiple times um, and done the, the, the right model for the job and stuff like that. But I've realized over time that if I have no deadline, I just work on things that are incredibly like meaningless, not entirely, but like really not like, like needed for the content. And gotcha. the week helps you really trim the fat about what is really necessary to get in a video. So th they're both good for different reasons. Yeah. But it's like a different sort of discipline you're developing, I guess then. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, sorry, that was a rabbit hole. That was like a, a selfish rabbit hole for me. I'm like, well, I got here. I just got to ask. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, getting back to, uh, we get back to a song of ice and fire here. Um, you know, as you've been starting up with the game, um, how have you been approaching like list building? Like, it's always interesting to see people coming from different gaming backgrounds, different experiences, how they maybe approach this game. Because we have a lot of people coming from board games, from card games, people that are traditional war gamers, people that have, this is their first war game ever, and they've never done any hobbying. So coming with like your experience with gaming, um, you know, how do you see that manifesting in the way you're playing this game? Are you like hyper into the tactics cards? Are you more about the positioning when you're making your lists? Do you kind of like a combined arms or you're always getting some ranged in there? Mm. Um, how do you see Great that question. manifesting? Yeah. Um, I think originally it was just, I want to use as many iron makers as I can in a list. <laughs> so I had a list called iron maker city actually. Um, I just had three units of iron makers. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, in the beginning, it's like, I want the coolest thing and I want all of it. Um, yep. But yep. then after that, then it was, then it was more about the units, about the balance of the units. And, and now I'm starting to really think about the tactics card. So that kind of came later because that was kind of like a new element to me. Um, and uh, yeah, it's about every single game I've played, I've used a different list every single time. And is that true for you guys as well? Or like close to, you play a lot more than me. Yeah, I mean, I think both of us, I, the only thing is I've been fighting against Chase's godforsaken free folk for the last like two years because he refuses to play just about anything else. But, uh, that's hard. Um, I love him. I'm a, I'm a free yeah, folk. Yeah. 
I love them too, Chase. I do. Um, <laughs> no, but we, we do, we do try to shake things up. I mean, like, especially I play Baratheons, which is uh, allegedly the worst faction in the game. I don't know. It's up there with the Greyjoys. Who knows? We'll, we'll yeah. see. But um, I just like to like buy boxes of stuff and then try it out. So like everybody says like these units are bad. I'll just run them because who cares? There's no stakes at you know, Chase's house. So that's, that's kind of the way we look at things. Just yeah. run them on the table. Yeah, that's, that, cool. that's a great thing just to say. And we have a similar uh, approach when we play games. So um, both of us are casual tryhards. Like yeah. we're not we're not like super competitive, but also like we like to think that. I mean, you don't want to lose your friends. Like that's not what you want to do. Right. So like we take it seriously. But to to make it less serious, we uh, we discuss our strategies and like things that you would normally not tell your opponent like during the game. Just yeah. to be like, hey, here's yeah. what I'm thinking about. Here's what I want to yeah. do, but I'm scared of this. And so that makes it like a really great like uh, learning experience. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so amidst that about the list asking question, every single game I play, I'm trying new things, new combination of things. I get ideas from a Discord that I'm in that's uh, about A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, there's like a particular Greyjoy channel and they yeah. have just so many phenomenal ideas. So I'm, I'm trying them out constantly. Um, but yeah, I'm like all over the place. Yeah, I feel like I actually just like paint myself out of a corner. Like I start with something and I just like slowly change a few things or mm -hmm. I've been known to fall in love with like a commander or two and play them a lot. Um, yeah. So, you know, Josh, you might be the ideal opponent because you're always trying to now. I'm like, what if I just do this and have that? And it's like, what if I just take that one out and put this in? Um, yeah. But I think that's my favorite is playing in the more casual, uh, you know, friends. You know, sometimes I, I don't know if you've ever had this, but I'm not like I've done a song of Ice and fire for a while. And like some people might know me. Uh, but when you go places and they're like, oh, Chase is going to bring free folk. We made lists that are like specifically, we know we'll like crush that. And it's just like, that's fun, but it's not like, I just want to have fun too. Uh, and so I feel like what ends up happening yeah. is I think I get the most joy out of playing out of like smaller, close friend communities. Um, so I don't know, is that, that's something you ever deal with? Like, do you feel like when you play in public, there's like a, like, oh, that's, that's target on like, let's, uh, let's, uh. <laughs> Okay, three uh, Lannister, uh, three Red Cloak lists, and we're riding against him. No, just to you. Um, that luckily doesn't happen to me uh, too much. You know, if I'm being honest, I ha I don't play a whole lot in the in the outside world. I didn't yep. I didn't play a lot of anything. I played like a. The last time I played anything with any frequency was Guild Ball. There was like an escalation league that like rewarded you for painting more of the characters each week. And I, I really liked that idea. There you and go. So I, I got involved <laughs> in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was cool. Like a weekly painting competition. Just like, and, yeah. and like, oh, Scott's here. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like watching so your out. video to paint theirs. You know? <laughs> But yeah, so uh, I mean, whenever I play, like when I play against my Targaryen friend, I'm not, I'm not like taking uh list that i feel like would be dumb like i feel like uh maybe like uh if i were to run like silence man and euron as a commander against a targaryen list that that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense because i wouldn't be you know getting much damage through panic and stuff like that right yeah. so i'm not i'm not uh just doing anything i am i'm thinking about it a little bit um but also like i'm, I'm not like I don't like play anything that's too like goofy or or meme like i i don't i feel like eric as a commander is not good so i I wouldn't run it. Um, yeah. I'm not like pulling punches at all. And yeah. I don't I expect people to play when people play against me. I, I don't want them to do that either. Um, so I'm, I'm like a little bit of a mixture. Like I, I want to have a competitive game, but I also don't want to like feel like I'm sweating too much. Maybe. Right. I'm with you. Yeah. We, uh, do you ever find like um, with, with Greyjoys, do you add any cavalry or do you find like you're having a, a tough time dealing with mobility in terms of like right now, it's just an all infantry army. I don't know if you're using any uh, mercenary cavalry or, or, or not. Yeah. So, I like the idea of having a purely Greyjoy army. 
I've never liked like neutral dogs of war faction stuff like yep. that. Yep. Um, and so I know a lot of Greyjoy users will use like in their mother of dragons, they'll still use a lot of hedge knights or people will use flayed men stuff like that. And yep. they're <laughs> super awesome models. Um, but yeah, I've been doing just purely Greyjoy, and I don't struggle. Okay. I do struggle against um, my Targaryen friend a little bit, but I've, I think I've, I found out some ways to deal with him in the moving phase. Uh, certain lists, maybe like using Theon as a commander, mm -hmm. a little bit extra mobility is helpful. Um, so yeah, it is, it is difficult, but I feel like there are ways to move around it. Um, I can use Ironborn Archers a lot with Wendemir to like do a lot of surprise damage and let, let him come to me kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, but I'm de definitely not like the model Greyjoy player at all. <laughs> But that's kind of the joy too, right? Like when there's something that's like really tough. And then as you get more and more experienced with the ins and outs of your units and you can like squeeze out just a little bit more potential, like that's a certain sort of thrill that comes in wargaming where you're like, oh man, like I was getting crushed by that. But like I figured out, like I can position like this and now I can shut down some of their attacks. Like, I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. My buddy runs like an entirely cavalry army often with one dragon and he's been like using blood riders lately to experiment. Yes. With. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, uh, I've been playing against a lot of cavalry and then for the first time in a while, I played against an infantry army and like the game was just like totally different. Like, like yeah. how you can move, where you can move, what you can do. Um, I learned of this strategy recently where you can place any unit uh, like near a palisades with it in front of it, such that it's offset. So you can still see and shoot people like with archers, mm -hmm. but they can't fit in. And that, that strategy doesn't work against cavalry really. Cause they can often flank right. you, but with infantry, totally different ball game. Yeah. Um, so I found myself having to almost not relearn the game, but play in a, in a different way than I was used to against infantry. And I love that. I love that variety. It's so cool. Yeah, well, I think it's cool too. Like uh, when when the game first started, um, I think one of the challenges was that there was no like contesting an objective. But then they made the really smart change of now it's based on total ranks. So originally, like it was really easy to just run a unit of cavalry up, especially like flayed men at the time of like a two plus armor save. So you just like run them yeah. onto a point, and then there's no getting them off that point for the rest right. of the game. But now they have that move where it's like infantry is actually really has a has a purpose there, which I think is cool. I mean, yeah. the, the game's come a long way just in general. I think it's at its best point yet um, mm -hmm. in all regards, like rules-wise, balance-wise, like things are, and that's the cool thing is like they constantly keep tweaking it. Um, I said balance, Chase. You're going to get ripped apart. Oh, right? geez, there we go. <laughs> but comparatively, <laughs> it's just funny. People say Night's Watch are very strong now. When the Night's Watch first came out, they were very strong. And there's there's been ebbs and flows and things change. Like that's the beauty of it. Um, yeah, I think core mechanics uh, you know, the way Panic is now versus when it first started. I know you were talking about you played it, uh, that demo game. Back then, I think it was you'd roll 2d6 for morale and you took the difference in damage. And when I first started playing Free Folks, you'd be like, you know, I took a wound and it's like, all right. And there's a, you know, in the flank or something, I'd like lose the rest of the unit. I was like, oh, yeah. this feels <laughs> horrible. Um, yeah. and, and now we're just in such a good place. So I think, you know, that speaks to a strength um, of, you know, the designers and developers like doing updates and sure they're, they're time bound and like they can only release so many within a production cycle. Like, you know, things have to get printed and sent out, but there's the app, there's lots of things they're doing. So it's kind of like a living, growing game. And uh, the amount of care and attention Simon's been giving it as a war game uh, has been fantastic. Um, and so on your podcast recently, oh gosh, I just blanked on the name of it. I'm so sorry. Oh no. Trapped under plastic. There we go. Trapped under plastic. Um, you were actually talking about, you know, uh, Simon as an entity involved in like the miniature market, right? Like they do pretty well on Kickstarter. 
Uh, they're pretty yes. big movers and shakers. Like it's exciting to see their impact on on wargaming here. Um, and for us, it's been exciting to see like the game grow and more and more people get involved. Um, mm-hmm. As someone who deals a lot with like miniature companies and different games, like where do you see companies like Simon like in the greater picture? Mm. Um, well, I'll say I made that video, um, and this is kind of a, a new thing that I was trying out for the first time. As a YouTuber, you can tend to want to guard your audience from like businesses that just want to advertise to them. Mm-hmm. And so you can almost go so far that you go in the opposite direction where it's like everyone who sends me anything is out to get me and I will never use it in a video. And so it's like, <laughs> so I, I definitely felt that way before. And so when I made that video about A Song of Ice and Fire, just because I was like, I'm into this, I want to make it, let's go. Um they uh they emailed me and were like we we really appreciated that like would you like a care package and i was like that was that's so cool i've never i've never experienced that um the only interactions i've had with companies were they've reached out to me to do a sponsored content or like uh gw has like uh like an nda agreement with me to send me things like two days before it's released mm-hmm. and i can't do anything with it like, <laughs> Not i can't time. make a video in two days <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, like that was that was that was super heartwarming, um, and I really yeah. I really enjoyed that interaction between between me and the company because it felt it felt so uh, just natural. I was like, I like this mm-hmm. game, make a video about it. They appreciated it. They wanted to reciprocate. So that was just really cool. I would say too, it's like I mean, it's very consumer friendly. I mean, I'm I'm dabbling more and more in Games Workshop on the side here, playing like mm-hmm. the new Kill Team and stuff like that. But yeah, just the the number of rule books and app. <laughs> costs that you have to it's just it's insane and you need like a white dwarf subscription to have like this uh, other set of rules that could i just like i think the one thing that simon's done really well is just keeping the rules free and oh my gosh available. yes they haven't taken down the song of ice and fire builder website yet which is great so <laughs> you know what i mean like, hey yeah i use that website there uh, I go. all right That's yeah. Just, yeah the terrain the terrain generator is fantastic uh, Actually, yeah. a question you gotta update about, some of that stuff yes. yeah okay i was gonna ask about that um yeah so your scenarios are yes. they aren't up to date right we've got to update them okay, uh, okay. so Jeez. long story short i'll do a quick segue here and shout out to my buddy so brian the builder my high school buddy he's helped me with the site uh he has gotten married over the summer and he was also away on his honeymoon and uh boy when he came back there was a lot of excitement about some of these quarter three releases so all of that is ready to be updated so you, you you'll use a scenario feature we'll get that we'll make sure we get that up to speed here Okay, like, okay. now brian's gonna watch this he's gonna feel a lot of pressure he's gonna be like oh my god scott just said brian not allowed to get married dude come on i got oh, games man. to play all right all right it's gonna be like tonight It'll be <laughs> fantastic um yeah and if anyone has stuff like that feel free to shoot us a message on social media and uh you know deadlines and uh feedback is always good so we'll get on it um yeah and you know did you have a favorite scenario actually you know uh, there's so many different mm. ways you can play the game and scenarios can be pretty different. Um, um, so you mentioned earlier how the game was fast. Yeah. And I want to contrast your experience with mine. Okay. Mine, I, we take like three to four hours to play a game. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> so right. it's not so, so for that reason, I have been enjoying, uh, I think it's, it's the one I mentioned earlier, Dark Wings, Dark, what is it? Uh, dark Words, right? Yep. Yeah. Dark Wings, Dark yeah. Words. Yeah, wins. You're right. Um, so that that one's nice because you start scoring objectives immediately in turn one and stuff like that. Um, but I feel like I feel like I could enjoy I could enjoy them all. They're they're all pretty great. Um, 
Game. Of, I think it's the first one. It's called Game of Thrones. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. That one's that one's pretty standard. That one's great. That's a good baseline, and then they add a lot of fun variety. I haven't played any of the Siege ones yet, though. Oh boy, <laughs> those are different. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> they're good. I've lost a lot of those. Though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The walls are the walls are the MVP for sure. I have okay. a hard time adjusting my brain around certain like yeah. styles of play. So whenever it's like a dramatic shift, um, Game of Thrones is like a super classic. And mm-hmm. uh, one thing that's fun about that one is that it's so classic. Um, there's kind of like standard openings that like people do, and so you know mm-hmm. they're going to go like they get a commander on a point. They might put the ranged unit on the other one. But then because you know that, like, it's not, I don't know, some people maybe find it boring, but like, because you know, people are going to do certain things, then it's like, well, then how do you do the thing that counters that thing? And like, right. so you get into a very meta sort of mode. I really like um, Dance with Dragons. It's like the football one where you run up and grab the tokens. So and you move slower, re- right? Yes. yes. My yeah. recommendation is that one. Get those Targaryens uh, you know, not yes. running around. So next yes. game. Yes. What, what about Fire that one blood? time? What's that one? How's that one work? Fire and Blood is the oh, one where your boy. commander can mark targets on the board for for points. Josh, okay. have I have I won a Fire and Blood against you yet? I can't remember. Have you? I don't. Think I don't so. think it's I more. Have. It's more <laughs> just. It's more just. That's why point. he brought these. <laughs> yeah. There's no. There's no <laughs> real like objectives to hold or anything. It's just kill as many of your opponent's units as humanly possible. Okay. okay. That's your preferably with your commander's unit. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. I like that. Uh, and we have played the one where you slow down when you grab the objective. Okay. Um, the and yes, I do like it. We only, we only played it one time because it just feels like it really does favor me in the Greyjoy versus Targaryen thing. And we kind of want it to be a little bit more balanced, but, uh, but yeah, that one, that one is a good one for me. Well, I mean, so it sounds like you got a lot of, uh, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of enthusiasm about this. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, you get some more games in here. I feel like now that I know that Jim uh, Ludwig's in your in your region here, I feel like you know we got to start poking a little bit. We got to have like a challenge match or something, or call you out and get some games here. All right, all right. Uh, we'll we'll see what we can do with that because uh, he's awesome, uh, and yeah. as you as you probably know. Um, yeah, yeah, he is awesome. I just met him at a, one of those recent Monday night things, and he brought. Um, here I have it over here. I'll go grab it. Yep. He had a spare hand of the king oh, pledge. Yes. And he just gave it to me. And I was like, this is, this is awesome. And then also all the terrain too, which is a much larger box. Um, so yeah, he's, oh, yeah. he's super awesome and, and he loves the game. He's super enthusiastic about it. Are you gonna use the throne as your as your first person? Oh marker? my gosh. Okay, so if we ever play this game in an episode of Kill Your Friends, which is like my gaming series that I've made one episode for, um, we are absolutely using the throne as the indicator because that's just so hilarious. It's so gigantic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And, you know that your your future upcoming A Song of Ice and Fire series, you're saying where you, you play with your friends. Oh, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. a whole series, yes. yes. Yeah, fair, fair enough. enough. Speaking of speaking of battle reports, have you watched any uh, battle reports online? Do you watch like Sunday Slaughter or anything? So I have watched uh, a portion of a Sunday Slaughter uh, episode, and then I got in contact with a guy who runs it, and because uh, I was going to do a live stream of a Song of Ice and Fire, um, and he helped me out a ton. He he gave me a bunch of Greyjoy and Targaryen assets, so that like if I had a stream operator, which at that time I didn't, but if I do in the future, they could like flash the card when we like play it on the screens, so people yeah. can read it and stuff like that. Awesome. Um, but nice. yeah, so yeah, I've watched a portion of one of his battle reports and have chatted with him. Fantastic. I mean, that's the cool thing is that we've got such a great community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the song was fire, not only like the content creators, but the communities are generally pretty positive. And then, you know, you talk about Jim Ludwig, Michael Chanel, lead, uh, the lead designer, uh, the designer, and then uh, lead game developer, Fabio Curry, like 
it's just a lot of really cool, nice, positive people that, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just a good, vibrant community you're part of. So uh, yeah. we're excited to have you part of this as well. Absolutely. Thank you for welcoming me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe as we start to wrap things up here, um, you know, you do a lot of stuff with your channel. Um, what are ways that we can help support you? Oh, wow. Thank you for asking. Um, I would just check out the channel, youtube.com slash miniac. If, uh, if you're not super into videos, but you're more into podcasts, I have the podcast called Trapped Under Plastic, where we kind of just talk about really all things miniature related. Me and my co-host, John, are just big enthusiasts of the hobby. And so we talk about, talk about everything, conventions, uh, personalities, games, painting, everything. Um, and then I have an Instagram too, um, instagram.com slash it's the word maniacal, but instead of an A, it's an I because Miniac is taken by an account with no image, no posts, and no followers. So you gotta find yeah. this person. I know. <laughs> find them. No. But yeah, so yeah, those those are all my social media avenues. Yeah. One of the ways you can support the Miniac is to find out who that is. And- <laughs> oh, <laughs> sure. that <laughs> oh, oh dear. All right. We're gonna be in a, in a court of law sometime as evidence here. <laughs> yeah, um, and you have a Kickstarter coming up too, right? At some point. Oh yeah. I haven't talked much about that, but if you want to uh like get some progress updates on what goes on to make that happen every single week i have a mailing list and you can go find it in the description of any of my most recent videos i've been putting out updates every single monday and i've been working on this campaign for uh one and a half years almost two years and uh it's fun to kind of recount like where it started two years ago and and everything that i've gone through so far to get to this point but yeah that's coming out probably early next year in january well, fantastic. And, you know, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and talk with us uh, and share your enthusiasm for a song of ice and fire and, and, and talk with us about the hobby a little bit. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. In the meantime, folks, uh, thanks for tuning in and we hope we get your miniatures on the table. Mm-hmm.